Welcome to the Get Your Donut Podcast. We're here to exchange our consumeristic Christianity for a life fully surrendered to Christ, and to never let our faith be as simple as grabbing coffee and a donut in the lobby. Let's do this. Today's episode is part two in a conversation with Dana Dill. Dana serves as one of the pastors of Union Church in San Clemente with special responsibilities overseeing the church's music and youth ministries. A graduate from Biola University, Dana obtained an MDiv from Talbot School of Theology. He currently works at Capistrano Valley Christian High School as a Bible and theology teacher and at Biola University as an adjunct professor in the Bible, theology, and ministry program. He's been married to his high school sweetheart, Shauna, for over 12 years, and together they have three young daughters, Daisy, Penny, and Lottie. I hope you guys enjoy our conversation. Well, we're going to uh, shift our conversation now over to more of the practical side of discipling our families, family worship. Uh, and so if you're just joining us now, we'd recommend you go back and listen to the first part where we really just talk about uh, why we should do this. What What is what is discipleship? Uh, why why uh, does scripture lay it out as an important thing for us to engage in as families? Why is it neglected? Again, what what's at stake? All of that we answer kind of in, in the first part. And so we'd recommend you listen to that before uh, you jump into this. But what we're going to talk about now uh, is how this actually happens. Like we, we might understand the why, we might understand uh, the theological reasons or implications, uh, but what we want to get into now is how does this happen? How do we disciple our children? How do we engage in family worship? Uh, let's uh, let's kick it off, Dana, I guess. What, what advice would you give? How do we do this? Uh, where do we go? Where do we start? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so good. So good. Partly, I, there's so much that I love about this conversation. I just want to say all the things. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we'll yeah. start. We'll start with. Uh, so, if we go back to Gen or Deuteronomy six, um, okay. I think we can start with some broad ideas of uh, where's a, a helpful beginning. So, when we read in Deuteronomy, we see that the first thing that Moses commands the Israelites is not something to do toward their kids, but something to do toward God, namely love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our might. And I think for when it comes to discipling our kids and actually practically what this looks like, that has to be the first place, and it has to be the fountain in which everything else we do comes yeah. out. Uh, like I'll, I can say it this way, like if we want our kids to love Jesus, then one of the most effective ways to do that is by us loving Jesus right. with everything we have, because we cannot give our children what we ourselves don't possess. Hmm. Like that's wow. what I said, like we can't give. And so if, if we're loving God in front of them, and we're having pleasure in the glory of God, we're satisfied in God, where we find joy in Jesus, then that is going to demonstrate for our kids that he truly is a treasure. Yeah. Because, yeah. because they're, they're like, when, like, uh, to use the words of John Piper, um, our pleasure in him shows the treasure he is. Because the more we take pleasure in something, the more valuable it is, not only to ourselves, but those who watch us be satisfied right. in right. that thing. <laughs> excuse me uh and so um like as people our kids are very much like us is that we will look much more at what people look at 
yeah. uh, rather than what people tell us to look at. So like if you and I are having a conversation and I keep looking over your shoulder yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. talking to you, but I'm looking over your shoulder yeah. off into the distance. I will, I will gonna, look. Yeah. <laughs> you will look because we always look at what other people are looking at. Yeah. Not just what they're saying. What captures our attention yeah. captures the attention of others. Mm. And I think when it comes to our kids, that that basic principle is there. And that's why I think Moses says, hey, Israel, love God with every fiber of your being. Yeah. And that will dramatically not only affect your soul, but your spouse and yeah. your children and your church, because they're, you know, especially with our kids, our kids are going to usually naturally get excited about what excites us. Yeah. And especially I'd say this for fathers who are listening have you ever noticed that our father's enthusiasm usually effortlessly creates enthusiasm in their kids? Yep. Yeah. You know, you look at a, a father, like my brother, he's a huge Padres fan. Guess what his son is? Huge a Padres fan. Diehard Padres fan. <laughs> and, and because he watches how his dad watches the games and, 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 and cries the few times the Padres win, you know, <laughs> with joy <laughs> and cries when they, they don't win. And he sees the joy and the enthusiasm and it's, a, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's, it's uh contagious yep. um and this yeah. is i think important too again when we see church dynamics happening it's like too often today in the church moms are leading the way when it comes to spiritual matters yeah uh, there's a lot yeah. of families that the only reason they attend church the only time they ever talk about spiritual matters yeah uh is when mom is is heading the way and, and sometimes dads just kind of like do, like dutifully follow along yeah but they have put the burden of leading the family and loving god as the like lead lover yeah. upon the wife and i think that's not how god has it not that we're saying moms need to step down from that yeah, but yeah. we're saying that fathers exactly. and husbands need, need to step to up step up and yeah. love god with all that they are um, yeah because that will affect the joy and love and discipleship of your yeah. spouse and yeah, because so, the yeah. the fl the flip side is true too. Whereas a father's enthusiasm may uh, effortlessly, uh, you know, inspire their children or even the, the entire family unit, uh, a father's bad attitude can can have the same effect on a family as well. Exactly. And so exactly. when there's when there's a father who, uh, you know, like it or not, biblically has been given this role to shepherd and lead the family. Uh, is is just doing this dutifully or isn't you know isn't engaging in in that portion and and mom steps up because somebody's got to step up and so it's like yep. kudos kudos to mom we're not taking a shot at at mom but but what is the odds of of those kids being as excited about church as they would be or as excited about Jesus as they would be if the father was engaged uh in that way as well i think is a little bit of of what you're getting at i think it it works both sides it's the the blessing and the curse i guess of having that kind of leadership responsibility um and it when we ought to is. we ought to steward that well so and and let me say if you're a mom and you're listening to this and and this is your situation like like noah said kudos like bless you like yeah, well done. Seriously. Keep it, keep going. Um, yeah. because I've seen kids when they, you know, Jesus says wisdom is proved right by her children. And if the dad is not walking with Jesus and you are, the kids are gonna eventually see the goodness and the wisdom of Christ's shepherding yeah. love turn yeah. out in your life. And though they may not be pumped about you taking them to church now, or they may <laughs> not be pumped about Christ in what you hope, I think your model is gonna Yeah. It's not it's not insignificant in the lives yeah. of your kids. Yeah, and if you're a dad listening to this and this explains your situation, then I think there's a time to repent.
Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and this isn't a whip crack of guilt. This is an no. invitation to joy, you know, to love yeah. the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind, not only at church, but yeah. at your house. Yeah. Because and I, our kids will celebrate what we savor. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And I, I don't want to speak for you, Dana, but to speak for myself too, if I was going to speak to a father, I would say, uh, I know the double edged, uh, like the double side of that, because I've been both of those people. I've yes, been, I've been I. the enthusiastic father and I've been the dutiful. I don't want to talk to my kid about Jesus. And that's the vulnerability of this conversation is I've been both of those, you know, I, even as a youth pastor, there's nights where I go into youth group and I'm, and I just don't feel like it. Right. I just, I'm like, yeah. ah, I just like, it's just not in me. Uh, and, but we do it because, because, it's, you know, it, he is steadfast when our feelings are all over the place. But, uh, I think we would say it's not a whip crack of guilt because we've both been there. Like we know, we know what that is, but, but we also want to call, uh, ourselves to rise above that and, and to step into what's right. So, uh, let, let's, let's continue to get, uh, into the practical. Yeah. And again, moms, if you're, if that's your situation, well done and, and press on, um, but Dana, yeah. what, what advice would you give to families who are hearing uh, some of this maybe for the first time, uh, or who might be overwhelmed about starting to disciple their children for the first time? Yeah. Yeah. So with that first one, just making sure that you are loving God with all that you have, I think is, is again, important because then all of the practical activities you seek to do, uh, when they flow out of just a genuine love for God, they're more enjoyable for you. <laughs> they're more genuine uh, to behold for your kids. And I think they'll end up being more effective because they're not, they, these activities won't be begrudging duties that we're just fulfilling, but they'll yeah. actually be uh, labors of love that we enjoy doing with our kids, yeah. even in times that's difficult. So I would say a second thing, and again, back in Deuteronomy, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. But then Moses says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Uh, teach them diligently to your children. And so I think a huge part of family discipleship is actually intentionally teaching our children yeah. the scriptures, uh, teach them the Bible, the doctrines of the faith, uh, the, the the things of the gospel. Um, yeah. So like in this passage, you see that Moses, he, he, he thinks that for parents, this teaching has to be intentional. He says, impress these things upon your children, which is a word you can say like engrave which is yeah. not something you do on accident. It's not something right. you do unintentionally. There's planning yeah. and intentionality that we ought to have in teaching our children because our kids are not going to learn the Bible by accident. Yeah. And if we fail to plan, then we're planning to fail in this teaching. But like you pointed out earlier, as Moses points out, this teaching should be not only planned for and have times when we're helping to teach our family the scriptures, but also it should be ongoing. Yeah. So it's not just when we sit down for family worship or family Bible study, but when, you know, when yeah. I'm driving my kids to school or when I'm driving them over to practice or yeah. uh, picking them up from church to always want to be ready to when the iron is hot with our kids, be ready to engage them in yeah. you know conversation about scriptures. Now, how do we do this? How do we have this intentional teaching and ongoing teaching? What are actual practical ways? I would really recommend that uh, those listening would seek to adopt an old practice that's uh, not as much practiced today, but, you know, we'll join the hipsters and just bring in good old things back uh, <laughs> and, and to have times of actual intentional family worship uh, yeah. times where we gather the kids, we get, we get together in the living room or the kitchen table. Um, and we have a time of intentional focused 
uh, worship toward God together as a family. Now, this is going to look really different depending on how many kids you have, the ages of sure. your kids, uh, the spiritual uh, the spiritual state of your family, the maturity of the various members. And so the, right. how this looks really, I think, can take on 10 billion different kinds of things. Yep. At very least, though, I think some basic some basic starting points would to be to try and have some kind of a, a consistent time uh, that you have. And so yep. maybe if you don't have anything like this, start with maybe once a week. You know, you yeah. pick a time when everyone at the family is going to usually be home um, and you you gather together. Now, with my little kids, uh, there's usually three things that I love to have a part of our family worship. So I have three girls, seven, six, four years old. Yeah. Um, and so there's three things I want to be a part of every family worship is one is singing. I want to teach my kids all of the great hymns and songs of the faith. Because yeah. they end up memor memorizing these songs. Oh, yeah. And then those songs become incredible tools to teach them the central teachings of the Christian faith. And so, Amen. you know, my girls now, one of the hymns that they're just loving is Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Oh, and I love so, that song. you know, they're, they're singing. My four-year-old, she sings it now by herself just when she's playing Legos. Yeah. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Yeah. Well, now she has that memorized and that can become uh, an wow. ongoing discussion. Yeah. So we sing together, usually like a verse of a song. We won't even sometimes sing the entire song. Sure. Maybe sure. a chorus with little ones. If you do hand motions and, and, you know, or maybe you can have fun and sing the song in a Donald Duck voice, sing the yeah. song in a Mickey Mouse voice. Yes. Having fun during family worship, I think it's a brilliant thing, uh, especially yep. when they're littler. But singing, I always like to have a, uh, some scripture. So uh, either we're reading a, a paragraph from the Bible, a parable of Jesus, a psalm, yep, uh, or scripture just by memorization. Uh, we have various scriptures that my wife and I will choose for our kids. And sometimes we'll just we'll recite the memory verse and then we'll talk about what the memory verse is teaching. And no. uh, so singing scripture, whether reading scripture, memorizing scripture. And then lastly, just prayer. Uh, and yeah. I think when it comes to our, our families, prayer can be something where we can say, hey, what can we pray for about for one another? And it's a yeah. time where we can then share where we're at. Uh, if you have little kids, it's a great way to see what's on the radar of your little ones. Yeah. Uh, but then also even asking for prayer requests teaches your little ones like we really think we're talking to the living God and we really right. think he hears right. us. And we want to love people by bringing their needs and concerns before God. And so it makes them actually look at life in a totally different way. My daughters are constantly saying, Daddy, we need to pray for so-and-so. or We need to pray for this oh, situation. Wow. That's so uh, sweet. And I think it's just because like in asking for prayer requests, that becomes right. the way they view the world is we right. have the ears of God. <laughs> yeah. Why, why wouldn't so we approach so, the throne, you know? Exactly. And so I would say, Try to pick a consistent time. If, if you don't do it, maybe you try once a week. And and, and uh, I would say try to have at least three of those elements. Sing yep. together, scripture, prayer. Uh, you can use additional elements too in this kind of time. Uh, I'm a huge fan of what's called catechisms, yeah, uh, which are documents that teach the basics of the Christian faith in the form of questions and answers. Yep. Um, the yeah. church, it's not a Catholic thing. Uh, it's just a Christian <laughs> thing. The church has used catechisms from the very beginning. 
Yeah. Uh, but there's fantastic Protestant catechisms. Mine, my family uses, it's called the young Baptist catechism. Okay. It sounds like this, like, uh, Sorry, yeah, could could you repeat it? I had you cut out for a minute. I think my Wi-Fi oh, went out. No. Could you could you <laughs> repeat uh, from the Young Baptist Catechism? Yeah. So my daughters right now, uh, we just build on memorizing questions and answers, and I think yeah. there's like 150 questions and answers. They're very small, but it it goes like this: like Who made you? God made me. What else did God make? Everything. Why did He make everything? Yeah. For His glory. Yeah. How can you glorify God by loving him and obeying his commands? Yeah. Why should you love and obey God? Because he made me and he cares for me. Right. Short, yeah. simple. They always have scriptures that uh, support the answers. Yep. But my, my little four-year-old, she has the first like 25 questions and answers. Yeah. Memorized. yeah. Oh, and yeah. it's brilliant because then when they listen to sermons, that, you know, the sermons will often recall things that they have learned in the, yeah. in the catechism. Yeah, And so for parents, you don't have to start by recreating the wheel. Uh, if you find totally. a good, solid catechism, that's totally. a fantastic way to do what Moses, what the scriptures are calling us to do, to teach our children the the, the word of God. Yeah, I, I so love that. Those would be, I'd say, like the elements. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, we we love that. We've, we've been using uh, the New City Catechism for kids uh, with our two, she's two and a half, but Granted, she's she's really verbal for two, but she has yeah the solid the solid like ten questions and answers memorized, and it, and it, it's incredible. She hears a song, and the first question in that one is, "What is your only hope in life and death?" And she says, "It's the answer that they give is that I belong to God." Uh, she got really hung up on you know our God and Jesus the same person at two. That was like really like the Trinity. All of a sudden, I was like, I don't understand this, but I'm supposed to explain to my two year old. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, so she says I, that I belong to Jesus. And then we heard, uh, there's a song by, uh, the Gettys, uh, you know, Christ, our only hope in life and death. Uh-huh. And she, that song came on, uh, like uh, in our living room and she started just like jumping up and down and was so, she's like, they're singing about my question. They're singing about my question. See, that's and it. She, and, and now <laughs> she asks for that song all the time. I've got my, my two-year-old is requesting hymns because she made this connection and i don't know it's just it's incredible to watch her to watch her learn through that so yeah i i I think a lot of times we're afraid of like oh don't catechize my my kids or something it's really a beautiful thing and and i think that they they are capable of of memorizing at such an early age uh and it's it's astounding and i i think the the quote i was told by a pastor one time was that uh i think it was obedience follows understanding uh, yes. And this idea that they have it memorized and it's like, what good is it to my two-year-old to know that Jesus is her only hope in life and death? Like, well, I think it's, it's wonderful that she knows that truth, but as she grows older, like she'll be hard pressed to find a time, a memory in her life where she didn't know that Christ was her only hope, that she didn't know that, uh, you know, her life depended upon Jesus. And so as she grows yeah. older, she can kind of look back on that and I don't know the ways that she live will, will reflect on that, but yeah. Well, and you know what I think toward that too, is like, there's a lot of people that get really weird about catechisms and don't yeah. catechize. But the thing is back to, if we don't disciple our kids, the world will, if we don't catechize our kids, the world. Yeah. Oh yeah. How, how many slogans have our children, oh, our youth good. been, have, have they memorized Yeah. from the good. world? Follow your heart, do what feels right to you. These are yeah. all catechetical instructions yeah, they that they picked up from common wisdom in the world yep 
And so what we want to do is we want to say, no, 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 we want you to have emblazoned upon your memory truths that are coming not from cultural drift, but truths that are coming straight from scripture. And do they understand it when they're two or three? No, that's not the point. The point is to give them the framework so that once their minds get to a place where they can understand the substance they yeah. don't have to learn the framework and the substance at the same time. Yeah, We've exactly. given them the buckets so that when they're ready to have those buckets filled, we fill those buckets with understanding. Yeah. yeah. And and yeah. to the point too, that when they come into contact with something that is different than what they've been memorizing and learning, it feels different enough to where they have a question, right? Yes. To where like the first time they come into contact with like, you do you or follow your heart or whatever the the latest, uh, you know, sexuality and gender, uh, ideas that the world has, like when they come into contact with those things, uh, those things should feel foreign because of the way that they've been raised to know Jesus, whether they fully understood it or not, there comes a point where it's like, it's in their bones. Yeah. It's in there. It's in their bones. And the Holy spirit can, you know, can convicts and causes this questioning of like, wait, but I know this and I, and I don't know that. And I think, yeah, I think that's similar if I could, it makes me think of this as like a contrary. So like one of the catechetical instructions of the world today is love always affirms. Yeah. And so the world has this catechetical instruction for kids of like, if you love someone, you're always going to affirm what they want and right. what they believe. Right. And you can't ever disagree or you can't ever say you know no to what someone truly feels or truly thinks. Yeah. When you talk to kids who've been catechized by the world, they then hear about Christian love. Yeah, that sometimes we'll say no to our desires. It will right. say no to the things we think are true. Yeah. And you you'll see this visceral reaction. Yeah. Because their whole life they've been catechized to think love always affirms. Yeah. And when they hear a contrary truth, there's this like it's almost irrational. Yep. You know, like uh, yep. uh and that's a, that's an indication is that they've had that so drilled into them. Yeah, you know, it's in their bones where we want to do that, but with the truth and life giving freedom of what God's word has to say, where when they are given evidence to the contrary, there's almost like a in their bones kind of initial reaction. Yeah, I think there's a lot of power there. I agree. I agree completely. And I I think everything you shared too about uh, family worship is is spot on. I think uh, we're not called to be like the world, even as you talked about in the first part. And so to do a consistent time of family worship is really countercultural. And, but we believe that's, that's probably how life following Jesus should be. It shouldn't necessarily yes. fit in with what's going on around us. And, uh, you know, I've, I've read several biographies lately of, of great, uh, men and women of faith. So, uh, you know, like even just the hiding place by Corey Ten Boom, or oh, uh, yeah. I read, uh, the, the biography of Elizabeth Elliot and a couple of these other things, these other men and women, and actually something consistent that ran through all of their families was that, uh, after dinner, the dad would bring his Bible down and he'd read a chapter of scripture and they'd talk about it. Sometimes it was short, sometimes it was long, uh, but they would talk about it. And then at some point, you know, uh, whether it was daily or weekly, they would all gather and, and sing a hymn together. And actually, and yeah. it, even some of these people, they're not that old. Like they weren't from that long ago, but it was it was consistent in all of their stories to the point where I was like, when did we stop this? Because this this apparently was a, used to be a little bit more widespread. And so I thought what you shared about that, about kind of that, that more formal, like, family worship time was spot on. Uh, as you were talking, I, I there was a couple things that came to my mind I wanted to throw out for 
uh, as kind of like tips for maybe the more informal conversations that happen along the way. Um, even like you said, being ready to strike when the iron's hot, like if you're driving them to school and that sort of a deal. Um, and I think too, like to the, if you're a parent and it overwhelms you to think about like, oh man, now I got to have something ready to go, like on the way to school, or I've got to always, you know, have some scriptural truth to, to speak, I guess. What I think we would both say is that it can be, it can be conversations like this can be as simple as being present and recognizing an opportunity to press in deeper. Your your child says something, and I see this all the time when I work with junior high and high schoolers. I, my my child is is only two years old, uh, but I work with with students and teenagers all the time, and I see this where and I've trained our leaders too. Like when they offer a one word answer, we always ask a follow up question. Right. If you ask them how their day's going and it's a one word answer, like we're always going to follow up on that. We recognize uh, those opportunities. And you as a parent, you know, your child better than than anybody else. And so as you're sitting on the way to school, you know, if you notice that something is off or they bring something up or they have a question, uh, the temptation, I feel like, is can be oftentimes to to be dismissive or to just kind of, you know, ah, must have been nothing. Uh, but sometimes just being present enough to recognize like, oh, that's an opportunity for me to press in, you know, or, or we just listen to, you know, I offered to listen to the type of music that my child likes on the way to school. Uh, and I noticed some stuff in the songs that doesn't align with our biblical worldview. Like that's an opportunity to ask like, Hey, what do you, you know, what do you think? Uh, how do you think this song aligns with a biblical worldview or with what Jesus would ask you to do? Um, and I, that's kind of the second thing I was going to say is it can also be as simple as asking questions like you as the parent, in the discipleship role, discipler role, it doesn't mean you're always just talking at them, teaching at them. Uh, a lot of it, uh, you know, we know that that children and students learn uh, really well when they speak for themselves and when they wrestle yeah. through things. And so when, when you're able to ask your kid a question and you're comfortable enough to kind of sit through their their answer, that's really good for them to work some stuff out and try to put words to what's in their mind and what they're believing. And so it can be as simple as just being present, recognizing opportunities, asking questions. Um, and then, uh, also a couple other things is like you mentioned, uh, these things flow out of maybe normal or natural like rhythms or parts of our life already. And so, uh, yeah, if there's a time in the week where you guys are already around, you know, typically for us, uh, Sunday nights at dinner is when we'll break out the catechism, uh, and we'll, we'll go over the old questions and we'll be like, mm -hmm. do you want to try a new question this week? And we're trying to be, uh, we're trying to be, I guess, I don't know, gracious about it with her because yeah. I don't know if she says, if she's like, no, I, I really don't want to do a new question. Like at this point, we, we don't push it. Uh, and yeah. we're just kind of like, okay, great. Let us know when you want to try a new one. And normally five minutes later, she's like, okay, I'm ready for my new question. And I was like, okay, great. Let's do it. Uh, but we kind of let her kind of like lead with the initiative and then, and then we step in and, and really guide and, and help out where we go. Um, but I, I think it's important to start with what might feel normal or natural, uh, to your, to your children. Sometimes I think, right. uh, we get this idea like, oh, we got, gonna do this discipleship thing and we make it this really unnatural experience for the children. We do this in church too, uh, for students and whatnot. We make it like this big, really unnatural thing. Uh, and unfortunately, I'm not saying this is right, but unfortunately that can cause them to feel uncomfortable or unnatural. And now they're like, they might be worried more about like, you know, messing up this, this, you know, precious specific moment that you've planned for them than they are about engaging. And so I love that you said yeah. like, you know, don't be afraid to be funny. Uh, 
Now, Becca and I, for those of you who've been following on social media, you know that we've been working on a, a conversation starter uh, book for for parents to talk to their kids about Jesus. And uh, mm-hmm. one of the first pages that we put in there was some helpful tips. And one of the main things we put was, don't be afraid to to be funny. Like your yeah. your child will remember fun experiences longer than they will remember uh, the boring experiences. And so like, why are we afraid to, uh, you know, uh, of imaginary play or of, uh, you know, throwing something at each other while you answer, or like you said, singing in a funny voice when if it sticks, it sticks. Right. And, and if singing it in a Donald duck voice, like my daughter has a different way, she answers each of those questions from the catechism. Uh, and some of them are singing and some of them are hand motions and some of them are yelling. Uh, and some of them, like, she just thinks are hilarious every time. Like where the question is, uh, what is God? And the answer is God is the creator of everyone and th- and everything. And she, I don't even know where she got it, but she answers every time. God is the creator of <laughs> everything and one. And it's like this like ridiculous voice, but I'm like, I, I don't care. I'm not going to correct the voice because you know the answer and it's stuck for you. Uh, yeah. and, and learning like that can sometimes stick uh, just way better than like, Hey, sit down, keep your hands folded. Don't talk while I'm talking. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's a place for, for respect and, and that sort of stuff. But, but when we're doing this, like we also, we want it to be joyful. We want it to be enjoyable. Uh, and yes. especially for young children, uh, like let's not suck all the joy out of following Jesus. The world is already going to do that for them. Let's, let's just like, yeah, the world be. will do that. Well, Let's They'll let try it be to do this, that. <laughs> this joyful uh, experience. So I don't know. Those are just a couple of things that I had uh, as you were talking, maybe just more about the informal conversations. Yes. Yeah. Well, and you know what, to that, and this, this goes for both the informal and also the more intentional times. I think when it comes to the intentional times, I think brevity is actually a helpful thing. Uh, if you want to have regular, consistent times of gathering the family for worship together, it shouldn't be half an hour long every time. Yeah. It shouldn't be an yeah. hour long. Yes. Especially if you have little ones, <laughs> yeah. the amount of family worship time, like the actual time from start to finish with my three kids under seven. Yeah. Five minutes max. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, oh, hey, let's sing a song. What song do you want to sing? Okay. What catechism questions are we at? You know, and yep. I'll even have my older daughter drill my younger daughter. Then they'll go through it. And it's, okay, Lottie, you could do your catechisms tomorrow. You know, like sure. Uh, sure. we'll do a scripture memory. And then maybe we'll read a section from like a storybook Bible, which is another yeah. great resource. Oh, for I love kids. that. Yeah. To give them the whole storyline of the Bible. Uh, yeah. Kevin so Young's good. The greatest story or the biggest story or the mm-hmm. storybook Bible. Those are hugely helpful to help them understand the whole story. So that's yes. a little, another uh, resource there. Yeah. But I think being brief is, is important. Uh, I think being, like you said, I want to just double down being joyful and, and having laughter be a regular part of our worship of God. Yeah. Uh, and I think being flexible, there's times where I've planned, okay, we're going to have some, you know, have time of family worship. And all three of my kids <laughs> are just in like alpha mode, DEF CON, like meltdown. And I'm yeah. like, I think I would be serving Satan more tonight if I forced them yeah, yeah. <laughs> to do. And so yeah. just, I understand where they're at tonight. Okay, tonight, you know what? I'm going to give you your blessing as you go to bed. We're going to call it a night and then tomorrow, you know, we'll yep. come back and that that's okay. Cause we've got to play the long game. Yep. Uh, and, that's, and if we, yeah, that's, that's being, that's, that's being present and knowing your children and, and knowing like, what is the best way to, for me to help you love Jesus? Is it to sit you down right now while you're, you're, you've completely flipped your lid and you're not able to like 
logically engage with me at all and force yeah. you to sit still and do this? Or is it, or is it to love and serve you? Like I've, like I'm called to do and to say, you know what, I'll be flexible. We can do this tomorrow. We can do this next week. And, and you know what, what do you need? And how can I be an image of grace to you in this moment? And, and they probably don't recognize it, but you know, uh, you know, looking back uh, over the years, it's, you know, it's not about the, did we have one, an hour long family worship where everything was incredible, but it's, it's this consistency over time that they'll get to look back on, uh, and be like, and say, wow, I did we did this all the time. And yes. even though it was short in the moment, and I might not remember, right, particularly any one specific conversation from one of these family worship times, but I've been developed as a follower and a disciple of Jesus over time. And I know these things. I love Jesus. And I've, I learned that from uh, my family as God designed. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's counterintuitive because we hear this and then our, my natural instinct is like, all right, Let's get in a hundred percent. Like, and I, I would plan this long thing and it would be too long. And I would be like, this is going to be an epic time of, of family <laughs> worship. And this is where my wife comes in when she's like, nah, dude, we're not doing that. Like you, you've got, yeah, five minutes, you've got 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? Cause we're, I'm not, we're not all sitting through that right now. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and so use the time that you have well and be brief and be, and be joyful. I think those are really Cause, good. Cause with good the things. family worship, we're not building a house every night. We're laying a brick. Yeah. Oh, that's and that's the idea. It's like we're doing some. We're doing a, like a small, you know, small doses, small activity that over time is going to create, I think, some disciples that the world will have to reckon with. Yeah. You know, but it's yeah. that's where we take that long, and maybe one more word just of encouragement. For, if you haven't done family worship at all with your spouse, with your kids. You haven't read scripture, prayed some songs together, done catechisms, read story books, and any kind of consistent. It's going to be awkward at first. It's yeah. going to be, it's going to feel artificial at first. It's going to be more difficult at first, but don't let that discourage you because everything is more difficult the first time. Yeah. <laughs> and everything is weird until it becomes normal. Uh, and so like, yeah, it like, if you, if you like me never have sung with your immediate family, you know, and like, as the dad, like, I remember the first times so I'm like, okay, like, let's sing a hymn before we <laughs> eat, eat dinner together. Yeah. And then I, you know, my wife and I were like, okay, we're going to, all right. And she's bought in too, but it's like, okay, here we go. Like, we're going to do this. Like, yeah. La, 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> and it's weird. Yeah. Until it's normal. Yeah, You know, and so now That's like good. singing happens all the time in my family and praying together and the scriptures, because that has become normal fare, you yeah. know, for our family. So just be encouraged. It's going to always feel artificial. It's going to feel forced. It's going to feel wooden, but you just continue to be flexible, be brief, yeah. be, patient, be joyful. Um, and uh, it will soon become normal expected. And I think cherished in our kids really love that time, you yeah. know, together and look yeah. forward, look forward to it. Totally. Totally. Yeah. That's good. Well, we're, we're headed kind of to the end of our, of our conversation here. And I, I wanted to say thank you again, just for, for coming on and just a, a wealth of wisdom for us. Uh, as, as we close out our conversation, uh, what helpful tips and tricks would you give to families with young children or families with teenagers? Awesome. Families uh, with young kids, like we've already said, we've hit a lot of them. 
brevity, joyfulness, flexibility, yeah. uh, catechism, catechism, catechism. Yeah, yeah, um, totally. You know, and songs, catechisms and songs. Your yep. your little ones are are primed for memorization. And so yeah. lean hard into that era, that time of their life and just have them have these foundations of the faith tattooed in their memories. Yeah. With your older children, get ready to ask more questions than you give answers. Like you had said, get yeah. ready to allow them the opportunity to be thinking about the things that they say they believe. Get ready for more discussions. Um, yeah. And don't let your discussions just be times where you just go from one lecture to the other, but challenge them to think biblically, to think and relate things in their life uh, back yeah. to the gospel, you know, yeah. and what Christ calls us to do, because your your teenagers are starting to get into this time of life where they're starting to develop their own uh, independent uh, way of thinking. And they're starting to individualize themselves uh, away from you. They're becoming young adults. Yeah. Uh, and they need you to train them, not just to say, here's what you need to think, but but to how to think and yeah. walk them through critically thinking about how the gospel is all in areas, you know, of life. Yeah. And so be ready for those types of discussions. Um, yeah. And I would even say too, even this is maybe with both, uh, in addition to reading scripture and, and worship, I would it, it tell you to read good books with your kids. Yeah. You know, if you've Agreed. got some teenagers, like pick up like a mere Christianity, take them out for breakfast dates, you know, like yeah. and say, Hey, let's do a chapter a week uh, with little ones right now. I'm listening. We do before they go to bed, like 10 minutes of uh, we're, we're working through the Narnia series, yeah. you know, on audible, you know? Yeah. And, and so we turn the lights off and we listen to audible. And then again, just in, in formal and uh, as some epic, like truth about Jesus is demonstrated in Aslan, yeah. I'll just stop and I'll say, who does that remind you of? And it takes them a second, but then yeah, yeah. You know, you'll see them. Oh, that's like Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, oh, you know, reading books together can also be a really great way to have yeah. backdoor gospel conversations yeah. uh, about things as well. And for both, the last one I would say is leverage your local church family. Yeah. Go to church, make church gathering a absolute priority. Yep. If they have sports games, then skip the sports game on Sundays. Yeah. Yep. Go to church. Yeah. Uh, prove to your kids by your choice and calendar uh, who your God really is. Um, yeah. And Agreed. I would say, I would say, uh, ask yourself the question: What am I doing to prepare my children to make the most out of church on Sundays? Yeah. Uh, I would have them, if you know, encourage that you to have your kids sit with you in service so they can hear you sing. They can see you pray. They can watch you study the scriptures worshipfully. Uh, Cause that's going to be a model for them and how they're to worship with the church family. But uh, if you know what passage is going to be preached, maybe read it with your family before, you know, you go have them ask some questions and things they would love to, questions to ask uh, or insights. They would love to be dwelt upon. Yeah. after the church service, take them all out to lunch and, and ask them, Hey, what, what was God, pushing on your heart in this sermon what really stuck out to you share your yeah. own reflection yeah uh your family worship shouldn't just be what you do with your family at the house but it should be an extension of what you do with your church family yeah and exactly. so help them go into the gathering of worship together help them reflect upon the gathering of you know local church <laughs> worship yeah. together encourage their relationships with other members in your church so that they don't just have mom and dad that love jesus but they have like 
dozens of uncles and aunts in your church that love Jesus and are involved in their life. And they have yeah. grandmas and grandpas in the faith. Yep. Uh, because yep. if we throw our kids a net, it's much better than if we just throw them a rope. Right. You know, if they're stumbling down a hill, we can throw them a rope and hope they hold on to that one rope that we threw them. But if we throw a net their way, yeah, they can get caught up in the web of that. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that God has given us in the local church is a net of believers that will prove to our kids, no, your parents aren't the only weird Christians that you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a whole yeah. church full of them. And, and I really do think it takes a church to raise a, to raise a Christian. I agree. And and you might find that your your child eventually like really connects with somebody else from your local church family. And and that's a really good thing. I think like that's that would be a wonderful thing if if you you know, like you, you might have a, a specific child who who experiences more doubts than others or or has a hard time talking with you about their relationship with Jesus, but they might really connect with like a small group leader in their youth group or, you know, like a grandma and grandpa in the faith at church. And so we're not afraid of those relationships, right? We would say that's such a grace from the Lord that he surrounded us with other people who long to care for and help me disciple my children as a- well. Amen. And there's even examples of that in scripture. Uh, yeah. Lois and Eunice, uh, you know, Timothy's mother and grandmother yeah. loved Christ with all their heart. They discipled Timothy. He didn't even have a believing father. Yeah. But in his local church, he found in Paul. Yeah. A father of the faith. A father of the faith. And, I, yeah. and you know that Lois and Eunice are like, praise God, not yeah. only for the grace that he gave to Timothy through us, yeah. but praise God that Paul came into Timothy's life. Yeah. And so yeah. your local church likely has many Pauls and many yeah. Paulettes uh, that yeah. won't replace you as, sure. as a parent, yeah. but they will come alongside and support you and point your kid for yep. Christ along with you. What a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Uh, and again, thank you. Thank you for those. The things I would say for, for young children, everything that you said, uh, plus this quote I heard, and I'm going to butcher the quote, but uh, is the the essential part of the quote is that your child is much more likely to open up to you uh, while they're playing Legos or throwing a ball with you than they are if you sit them down for a conversation directly across the table. Um, and so sure. just to remember that uh, if you're playing with your kids or you're out on a hike or you know you're you're whatever you're doing in the normalcy of your life, uh, you know you're baking or cooking with your kids, like those are just, your child is occupied with what's in front of them and they're more likely to just to share what's going on. If you're willing to kind of ask a question or, or press in, uh, I found that to be true, even with our daughter at such a young age where, you know, if we're building with magnetiles, which are one of the coolest toys ever, um, <laughs> if we're doing that, like she'll just start talking and she'll just start telling me about, you know, things that happened. I, I don't know if they actually happened or not because she's two, but to her, they were really real. Um, you know, and then, and then with older, older kids as a youth pastor, I get asked by parents quite a bit, like, how do I get my, my kids to open up to me? Right. Specifically my sons, like, how do I get them to talk to me? How do I get them to tell me what's going on? Like I ask and I ask, and it doesn't seem like they really want, uh, to tell me. And we did a a parenting conference at at a church like a year ago. And one of the speakers, now this amazing speaker, her name is Heather Kolb. She's involved with Pure Desire Ministries and, uh, they do a lot with uh, sexual addiction recovery and these sorts of things. And the conference was on technology and children and how it impacts their brains and your relationship with them. But one thing she said was like, oh, you like, cause somebody asked and she said, well, if you're having trouble talking with your teenagers, like, you know, when they, when they're done with their homework and you guys are sitting there at like 9 PM and you're ready, like to just go to bed, she's like, don't go to bed. 
but start making a batch of cookies and just like put some cookies in the oven at like nine, nine 30. And like, yeah, you might get less sleep, but like, she was like, just feed them. I don't know. Bring them some ice cream, sit down at the table with them. And like, and as the cookie smell, like starts to fill the room and the house, she's like, that always like my sons just started talking. They just started, my kids just started sharing, you know, they invite their friends over sometimes and we just do these things. And so she was just saying, you know, if that doesn't work in your context, there's, there's other things to do, but just a simple, it's kind of similar actually for older kids and younger kids. It's like, if we're engaged in something else, you know, play, play a board game with your kids if they can, or, uh, you know, play, play with toys and engage them there. And, and don't, again, everything we're saying, right. Is brief and joyful. Uh, there's not too much pressure put on it, but there's, there's an importance and a weight to it, but we engage in the way that uh, makes sense to our kids. So, uh, Dana, thank you so much for for everything that you've shared, for your wisdom and resources and everything uh, that that you've shared with us. We are man so grateful that that you were able to come on the show and grateful for everything that that you shared. Oh no, it was, it was a joy, man. Like I said, this is something near and dear to my heart, and I think a lot of people want to help disciple their kids. They just may lack the encouragement, the resources. So I'm glad to yeah. give at least a little bit toward that direction. One last little resource that I didn't mention, Habits of the Household. Oh, I've heard good uh, things. Habits of the Household. Um, the basic idea is uh, that the thing that will form our kids more than anything is what is normal. The n- normal habits that happen at the house, the things yeah. that we do without even thinking about it. And so it tries to leverage uh, intentional habits and in helping get the gospel and not only to the mind of our kids, but into their bones. And so I've been making my way through that by Justin early, uh, yeah. highly recommend. Yeah. Cool. Thank you yeah. for that recommendation. I've heard great things as well. Uh, and been meaning to pick it up, Matt. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and, uh, you know, we're grateful for you, uh, for listening. And I hope that you guys engage and equip your families, uh, and with some family worship and some family discipleship as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of the get your donut podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And if you liked what you heard, rate the show and leave us a review. That helps other people find us and it lets us know how you feel about it. I hope you have an awesome day and that you never settle for anything less than all in with Jesus. Jesus.